It's that time of year when you drive down the road, you see all of those potholes. And so hopefully in the next few months, you'll see all those red or orange barriers that are up because they're going to fix the road. So I don't know which is worse, the potholes or all the construction. Because those barriers are there for a reason. I remember years ago when we were on vacation, we were traveling through West Virginia, and we took the back roads into some area, and they came, we came across this road that was blocked. Didn't have a detour sign up, it just had barriers blocking the road. Well, we had noticed that someone else had come behind, from behind the barriers in their vehicle, and so as we sit there and pondered where we were going to go or what we were going to do, we had to make a decision. Back then, they didn't have GPS, and a map didn't even show the roads that we were on. But we knew where we were going. And so we went around the barrier. And we got to a point where the road had been washed out. In fact, it had gone down the side of a mountain. One lane, the lane that we were in. And so we had a choice. We could go around it, where we seen the paths from other tires, or we could turn around and go back. Well, we figured our relationship with the Lord was good. So we took the two-track and went around it. And we didn't slide off the side of the mountain. But that barrier was there for a reason. It was a blockade to try to keep people from going down that road that was very dangerous. Blockades or barriers are put up for a reason. They stop things from going through. If it's a military blockade, then boats or ships are not going to get to their destination because they're going to be stopped by the military. And if there's a road sign that's closed, a barrier to block off that road, then my advice would be don't go through it or go around it or stop and make a different, take a different direction. But I want to talk about some spiritual barriers that we put up ourselves. We've seen in the passage of Scriptures that we read that God expects us as Christians, to be blessed. It's His desire to bless you and I as Christians because we are in Christ. I remember one time as I was studying with an individual and we were talking about this passage of Scripture. And she spoke up and when we read that being in Christ, she said, I'm not in Christ. And that means that I don't have the spiritual blessings that He has to offer. What can I do about that? Well, that's good news when you're studying with someone because that means they want to know what they need to do to get into Christ. And once we're in Christ, again, God expects to be able to bless us. But there are some things that we do in this life that causes us problems, makes it difficult for us to be blessed. And reasons that the barriers that we place may be because of sin in our lives, or blockade somewhere else that we've either placed or allowed to be placed between ourselves and those blessings. We sing songs about showers of blessings and things of that type. Those things are expected as a Christian. God wants to shower blessings upon us. Let's not put up blockades or barricades to stop those things. And so this morning I want to talk about five different barriers that we put up. Five blockades that we can cause or in our lives or put in our lives that hinder the blessings that God can give to us. That first barrier is selfishness. Selfish people only think of themselves. And unfortunately, we live in a society where 
We have the me mentality. It's all about me. What is in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? What, what, what is my benefit? And we really don't think about other people. And I think that we see that in politics. We see that in our everyday life. We see it in our communities where people just care about themselves. It's selfishness. If you have your Bible, turn over to Luke the 12th chapter. In Luke the 12th chapter, we find an individual, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, who had a problem with selfishness. And it's a parable that Jesus gave beginning in verse 16 of Luke chapter 12. It says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns, and I will build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up, layeth up treasures for himself, and is not rich toward God. Here we have an individual who had been blessed. Physically, he had been blessed with a material things, a lot of goods that he needed to store up. And so he was going to tear down his bars and build bigger bars, but it was all going to be kept for himself. He wasn't rich towards God. He didn't care about God. All he cared about was himself. And I think that sometimes we deceive ourselves into thinking that, yes, we care about other people, but our actions really show that we're selfish. And so when we look at this individual, and I have all the I's and my's underlined in my Bible, and you can see a number of those things where he says, I am my, this is my stuff. And God calls him a fool. Brother, we need to realize that selfishness as a Christian is not something that we're supposed to have in our lives. You see, sometimes we want to give back, and I'm not just talking in the collection, but in our lives when we give and help other people by the, 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 the talents that we use in our lives, by the abilities that God has blessed us with, do we use those things to help other people to benefit from our knowledge or our experiences? Do we help individuals who are struggling in this life? Do we do all that we can? Or is it all about me? I'm the only one that I care about. You see, it's not just money. And sometimes we're very generous with our money. Here, take this money and you go do what you got to do. And it's out of our hair. It's out of our hands. We don't have to deal with it anymore. And so that's kind of the easy solution. But it takes effort to get involved with people. Because sometimes when you deal with people, you become vulnerable. And sometimes when we get hurt, we don't want to help other people, and so we become selfish. But God does not expect us as Christians to be selfish. In fact, individuals who are selfish show a lack of love for them, for those that are around them. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 17, "...but whoso hath this world's goods, and seeth his brothers hath need..." And shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Does God expect us to use our talents? Does God expect us to use our resources to help our brothers and sisters in Christ? He most certainly does. 
How many times maybe in your own life have you said, I was sick and nobody came to visit me? I had a need and no one helped me. I ask you, when someone else was sick, how often did you visit them? When they had a need, how many times did you help them? Sometimes when we look in the mirror, it's not a pretty picture of what we see. But we need to realize that there's changes in our lives that need to be made. We need to make those changes. Because certainly selfishness is a barrier to receiving the blessings that God has given to us. We can look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to this flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. What are you sowing in this life? If you want friends, you have to be friendly. If you want to help or be helped, then you need to help others. If you want visits when you're sick, go visit someone when they're sick. It benefits everyone. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Think of the blessings. I know many times that there's been opportunities that I've helped people, and I'm not sure they were more benefited more from it or that I benefit more from it. Because sometimes when you help people, it brings joy to yourself. It helps you inside. It helps you to realize that, guess what? It's not all about me. And it helps us to see that, guess what? Our life isn't as bad as we may think that it is. And in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, Paul goes on to say, "...and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not." There are times we may get tired. There may be times that we're tempted to give up. There may be times that we get discouraged. But we have to get up and keep on going. Why? Because we know that there's a reward in the end and we need to be faithful. It's not about me. It's more about Jesus. It's more about God. It's more about His church than it is about me. We put God first in our lives. And if we do that, guess what? There will be blessings, spiritual blessings that we will receive, but sometimes they're hindered because of our selfishness. The second barrier that sometimes we place in the way of spiritual blessings, and that is a lack of prayer. Since all spiritual blessings come from God, if we never take time to talk to Him, to petition Him, to ask for help, to ask for strength, to be thankful for what He's blessed us with, if we never take the time to communicate with Him, how do we expect Him to bless us? Why would we even expect Him to bless us? You know, as parents, we like to hear from our children. We like to hear them say thank you. We like to hear thank you from other people. Why? Because it shows their appreciation. Do you think God wants to hear a thank you from us? We're His children. You see, we have a loving Father who desires to bless us. But we also have a Father who desires to hear from us concerning those blessings, concerning what we need, and being thankful for what He's blessed us with. In Matthew chapter 7, 
Verses 7 and 8, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. <clears throat> you say, well, why do I have to ask God? Doesn't He already know? And preacher, I've asked and I just don't receive. Sometimes we're not asking for the right things. Sometimes it gets back to our selfish desires of why we're asking for what we're asking for. And sometimes we just don't want to be honest with ourselves. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 9, Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will you give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? God knows what we need. You know, quite often as parents, we know what our children need. But sometimes we'd like for them to ask. God wants us to ask for one reason. It shows our dependence upon Him. You go back to that rich man that we just read about who tore down his barns and built bigger barns. Do you think he thought God blessed him? Or did he look at it as, I've done all of this? You see, when we're thankful, we realize it came from God. And everything that we have comes from God. And we need to communicate that thanksgiving to Him. And when we ask, He'll bless us. But sometimes we don't like the answer that He gives. Just like when we were kids, we didn't like the answer that our parents always gave us. But sometimes God knows what we need. And sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. Sometimes He may want to see how persistent we are. Sometimes there may be another barrier in our life. We ask her, or I mentioned earlier this year, <clears throat> trying to encourage us to read our Bibles every day. How many of us are doing that? How many of us are, have been uh, persistent at trying to make sure that we make the effort every day to read some part of the Bible, a verse or two or even a chapter every single day so that we are listening to God's Word every day in our lives? Sometimes we start out good. but Sometimes the challenge is there to keep on doing it. Why? Because so many other things get caught up in our lives. And so we need to communicate with God, and that's how God communicates with us, is through His Word. But those spiritual blessings, we don't want to hinder them. And lack of prayer sometimes does that. We need to understand that prayerless people are also disobedient people. And because of our failure to ask, we will not receive those blessings. As it tells us in James chapter 4 and verse 3, Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your own lust. What's he saying? That sometimes we ask God for something because we're selfish. It's for ourselves. Pray to ask God to help someone to get better. Is it because you really want that person to get better or is it because they've inconvenienced you by their sickness? Oh, that sounds cruel and harsh to say, doesn't it? But sometimes that's a reality. 
That we don't want to be in that position to have to care and to take care of that individual. And so get better. Help him, God, to get better. So that I don't have to do that. It's for our own selfish desires. Bless us materially. What are we going to do with those material blessings? Help us, God. Bless us with the ability to do these things. What are we going to do with that talent that He's given us? That ability that He's presented us with? We're going to use it to glorify God? Or is it for our own selfishness? Jeremiah indicated that prayerless people will not prosper in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 21. It says, "...for the pastors are become brutish." and have not sought the Lord, and therefore they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. When we're not what we're supposed to be, when we don't communicate with God, we're violating God's desires for us. And if we don't want to take the time to talk to Him, why should He take the time to bless you and me? You see, many people set up blockades of prayerlessness between themselves and spiritual blessings. If we're not being blessed as God would have us to be, look at your prayer life. Are you communicating with God? Another problem, another blockade to spiritual blessings is worldliness. I believe that's probably one of the biggest problems that we have in our lives. And whether we want to admit it or not, worldliness reveals the inward life of man. It reveals what's inside our heart. How do we act? In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, beginning it says, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him." For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. John is saying that the love of the Father is not in the person who loves the world. Yes, we're in this world. We exist in this world. But we're not to let the world exist in us. I made the statement before that a boat is in the water, but when the water gets in the boat, there's a problem. I remember years ago I read a story about in Green Bay, Wisconsin, somebody had taken their family out on their boat and they'd forgot to put the drain plug in the boat. And while they were out in the water or out on the water in that boat, the water started to come up in the bottom of that boat. Well, most people know that if you have a speedboat and it starts to fill up with water, you can take off if you do it soon enough, and guess what? The water will go out of the back. It'll go out that drain plug. But they didn't realize that. And the entire family ended up drowning because water got in their boat. Brother, and that's what happens to us, spiritually speaking. We're in this world. We live in this world. We go out into the world. We are influenced by the world. We hear what the, thing, the, the things that they say, the language that they use, the stories they tell, the things they buy, the places they go. We see all of those things in our lives. But yet, it's not to have an impact on our lives. We shouldn't desire those things. But sometimes we do. And sometimes as Christians, we act just like the world does. You see, worldliness is a blockade because it does not please God. 
In Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, it says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the flesh or the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity with God against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So what's he telling us? Don't let the world get into your life. Don't let the world influence you as a Christian to do the things that the world does. Yes, they work. Yes, we work. Yes, they make have to exist and survive. We eat. We do all the things that the world does. But we're not to do the carnal, the worldliness things. Not to do the evil things that the world does. And Paul addresses that in the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians where he says that we can't all together go out of this world. He realized that we're going to exist in this world. But he goes on to say that members of the church shouldn't be drunkards and, and, and adulterers and fornicators and idolaters and covetous. Shouldn't do those things. We shouldn't have those things in our lives. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 3, he tells them that ye are yet carnal. And then he gives a demonstration or points out what they're doing. And if this is in your life, then guess what? <clears throat> You're carnal. You're still worldly. He says, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and division, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So what's he saying? He's saying if you're envious, if you're jealous, if you have strife and division, then you're still influenced by the world. Think about that. Don't be deceived. If you have those things in your life, you're still worldly, you're still carnal. And you need to get rid of it in your life. You see, we cannot possibly be worldly-minded and still please God and receive the spiritual blessings that He wants to bestow upon us. <clears throat> Worldliness separates us from God. Notice in 1 Corinthians 6, chapter, he talks about some of those people that were guilty of some of the things that we just mentioned. But then he says, such were some of you. But they had been washed, they had been sanctified, they had been justified, they had been cleansed by the blood of Christ. So they weren't to continue doing those things. They weren't to continue envying and striving and having division. In James chapter 4, verse 4, "...ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world..." is the enemy of God. So if you're still carnal, look at your life. Look at the things that you do. What motivates you? Look at those things and ask yourself, do I need to have this in my life? Am I supposed to have this in my life? Because if we do, <clears throat> if we have those things in our life, it will be a barrier. It will be a blockade to the blessings that we could have. Unfaithfulness is also, or unfruitfulness is also a blockade in spiritual blessings. Unfruitfulness comes 
by not abiding in Christ. <clears throat> John chapter 15, verses 4 through 7. Jesus said, <clears throat> Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, <clears throat> no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye, cannot do no, ye can do nothing. If a man abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words <clears throat> abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Jesus is telling us <clears throat> that He is the vine, and we're the branches. But we have to stay attached to that vine. We have to abide in that vine. I think that we understand what that picture is. It is sort of like those great vines that we look up that we can see in that picture. That if you cut that branch off, guess what? That grape's not going to produce, be produced. Jesus condemned a fig tree. Why? It looked like a fig tree. He walked up to or by it and he saw that it had leaves and he was expecting fruit, even though the fruit wasn't in season. And if you know anything about fig trees, you know that the fruit starts to produce even before the leaves. And so Jesus knew from looking at it what it was. And He knew by looking at it what to expect on that tree. My friend, Jesus looks at us and He sees a Christian and He knows what we're supposed to produce. He knows what we're supposed to be doing. The question is, are we doing it? You see, we may be sitting in here today, we may look like Christians. We're doing what Christians do. But are we out in the world living and doing what we're supposed to do? You see, the fruit of a Christian is another Christian. <clears throat> but that's not the only fruit that we bear. The life that we live draws people to Christ when they see the example of what Christ has done for us in our lives, they should want to be a part of that also. Well, there's some people that don't. But I believe that the majority do when they see what God has done for them. For you, hopefully it will influence them. In fact, the Bible tells us when people see the hope that is in us, it should generate questions. And when it does, we should be able to answer those questions. That's part of producing fruit. The fruit of the Spirit that we've talked about for the last several weeks is something that should be seen in our lives and expected in our lives. And I wonder if Jesus walked up to us and saw that we're a Christian, would He see the fruit that we're supposed to have in our lives? He cursed that, fruit, or that fig tree and it withered away. It died. My friend, when we stand before the judgment seat, we're going to be judged by the life that we've lived. Have we been productive? Have we bore fruit? Do we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives where people can see it? You have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. <clears throat> Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, <clears throat> who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several abilities, and straightway took his journey. Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. 
And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoned with them. And so he that received five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joys of thy Lord. And he which received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reaped where I sowed not, and gathered where I had not strawed. Thou oughtst therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it to him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God expects us. Jesus expects us to use the talents that He's blessed us with, the abilities that He's given us, the resources that He's blessed us with. And they are to be used to glorify His name. They are to be used to build Him up. The question is, are we fruitful? Or have we erected a barrier because we are unfruitful? in the kingdom of God. And last, sometimes that barricade is there because of unfaithfulness. Faith is something that's very important in the New Testament. The Bible tells us faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In Hebrews 11 and verse 6 it says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that seek Him. So the existence that we have as a Christian is built upon our faith that we have in God. We have faith in what the Bible teaches us. We have faith in the plan of salvation. We have faith in God who gave all of us the Word that is written for us today. We know that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. We have faith that that is true. We realize that there's a heaven that's prepared for those who are faithful. We realize that there's a hell that's prepared for those who are unfaithful. And so we trust what God has told us. In fact, in Romans chapter 14 and verse 23, it says, He that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith, it is sin. Even faith is involved in the way that we conduct our daily lives. Here, Paul is talking about individuals eating meat that was offered to idols. If it bothered their conscience, they weren't to do it. And if there's things in our lives that bothers our conscience that are contrary to God's Word, then guess what? We don't do those things. 
But if something in God's Word bothers us, that He's told us that we are to do, and we just don't feel comfortable, then we need to change. We need to be faithful to what God has told us to do. You see, anything that we are doing that is not provoked by faith is sinful. And if we are committing sin, how can we expect to be spiritually blessed by God? We do realize that we sin, but when we persist in sin, when we keep doing the things that we know that are wrong, then there's a problem in our life. And that can cause a barrier between our blessings from God and the life that we have with Him. As we said, unfaithfulness cannot please God because without faith it is impossible to please Him. And so we trust Him. We believe what He said. And we put it into action in our lives. And when we fail to do that, it can cause a barrier in our in our lives. And so when we pray and we don't get the answer, perhaps we should look at some of the other areas of our lives. This is just a few of the barriers that we can build up and in, in, in place put them in place of receiving blessings. <clears throat> but there are numerous blockades that are out there. And so we need to break through those barriers. We need to break through that selfishness that may be in our life. We need to break through that prayerless attitude that we have that we don't need to talk to God. We need to get rid of that worldliness, the sinfulness in our lives, trying to be like the world and and get that out of our lives. The church would be a better place. The community would would see the light in in, in this congregation and any other congregation when we remove the sin in our life. Look at the church at Corinth and the problems that they had. Even the, the, the man that had his father's wife, the community realized that what they were doing was wrong. Brethren, don't let the world get into your life. Break down that barrier. And don't allow unfruitfulness or unfaithfulness to cause your blessings to be stopped or hindered from God. If we desire those blessings, we must do whatever we can to remove those things. God's here to help us. He cares about us. And He loves us. And He wants us to have those spiritual blessings that are found only in Christ. I ask you this morning, are you in Christ? If you're not a Christian, if you have not been baptized into Christ, you're not in Christ. But before someone can be baptized, they must do a few other things. They have to have faith. And that faith is based upon what God's Word says according to Romans chapter 10, and verse 17. And as we've seen in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, that without faith it is impossible to please God. And so we have to have faith. We have faith in what we hear. And it's important that we hear the Word of God. Because if we base our faith on something outside of the Word of God, that's not going to stand up on the day of judgment. And so we hear the Word of God, we believe it, we put our faith in it, and we trust that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Because that's what God's Word has told us. And when we believe that, we make a commitment. We want to repent of our sins. We're going to turn away from those things and put our trust in Him. doesn't make us a Christian at that point. We have to confess His name before men. Jesus said if we'll confess Him before men, He'll confess us before His Father which is in heaven. That doesn't make us a Christian either. A lot of people can confess Christ but never be baptized into Christ. 
You see, the Bible teaches us that baptism is what puts us into Christ. If you're outside of Christ, then you need to be baptized because Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. In Romans chapter 6, we see that picture that Jesus died on a cross, was laid in a tomb, and then rose up out of that grave. My friend, that's what baptism represents, that old man of sin. That's what we're called, the old man of sin, before we become a Christian. goes down in that water, in that tomb, and we rise up a new creature. That's the picture that we see. And that's what baptism represents. And it's in that simple act of obedience that our sins are washed away by the blood of Christ. And we rise up to walk in newness of life. A changed person. We don't let the world influence us. We want to talk to God. We're not selfish. We want to be fruitful. And we don't want to lose our faith. So we continue to be faithful because Jesus said, Be thou faithful unto death and I will give thee a crown of life. Have you been faithful? As a Christian, have you been faithful like you should? If not, you can repent and change this morning. If you need our prayers, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row. We'll pray with you and for you. If you want to be baptized into Christ, we have clothing, we have water, we have everything ready. So this morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, please do so while we stand and sing.